Good morning, everyone. Is it? It's not past noon, so it's morning still. Okay, if you want to open your Bibles along with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, that's where we will be picking up. A few announcements. Um, Secret Sisters, make sure you check your baskets. And I believe it's right out there on the counter. And um, see if you have anything that might have been given to you, a prayer request from your prayer partner, but make sure you check it. Also, this Tuesday coming up is the men's and women's Bible study. We're covering the foundations of our faith. The women are meeting upstairs, and the better group of men are meeting downstairs. Uh, just joking. Just joking, ladies. <laughs> anyway, um, it's so important for us to dig into the Word of God together. And I can't encourage you when we have these special times like on Tuesdays and you know, one week it's Tuesday, the next week, week it's Wednesday, to come if you're able to. It gives us a chance to really dig into the Word of God together. And these discussion groups that we have, like on Tuesday night, are fabulous. Because um, Vi teaches the women, I teach the men downstairs, but it's not a matter really of teaching. It's a matter of just opening up, opening up discussion. Because our whole study is discussing the portions of Scripture that we're talking about. I don't have all the answers. You might not have all the answers, but together, seeking the Lord, we come up with really good answers. So it's worth being there for that. And um, I think that's uh, all the announcements that I have to make. So let's pray. Did I already pray? I didn't pray. Okay. I did pray? I didn't pray. Let's, let's take a vote. Who said I prayed? No. See, that's what happens when you get older. I mean... You see, the thing is, I'm in such a constant state of prayer that I just never know whether I have or not. <laughs> Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, thanking you so much for your love and for the way you so bless us. Father, we're blessed in more ways than we deserve to be blessed. And we're living in a time, Father, where the blessing that you have given us needs to be manifested into us being evangelists in this world. This world is going through probably the darkest era ever in history, and yet you have called us to be the light, and the light shines in the darkness, Lord. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, as we cover this portion of Scripture, you would use it to minister to us, to encourage us, and to help us, Lord, that we might draw closer to you, because, Father, we want to be your evangelist, your witness in these last days. And I pray this in Christ Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, the environmental condition that we're finding in this particular portion, we're in 2 Kings chapter 4, we'll be picking up with verse 38. Picking up with verse 38. And so what's going on in this particular uh, environmental condition is um, a famine. And it's a serious famine. But the thing we have to realize as believers is that there is something that is greater, that is greater than a famine of food and that is a famine of the Word of God, the famine of truth. In Amos, if you want to turn there, it's worth turning to, uh, chapter 8 and verse 11. Amos, chapter 8, verse 11. And it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And I really believe we're living in a time that we're seeing this famine having come upon the earth where there is a famine for the word of God. 
People run here and there and go to this place and go to that place to find some kind of encouragement, to find some kind of direction for life. But the reality is what we need is the Word of God. It makes no different what, difference what society tells me that I should be doing or I need to be doing to find fulfillment. What does the Word of God say? In the Word of God, I find peace, I find joy, I find direction, I find my purpose, and I find the greatest fulfillment I possibly can. And so part of today's teaching is going to be really encouraging you to be in the Word of God. Because oftentimes, even as believers, we believe the Word of God, we read the Word of God, but we're not really into it. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But our portion this morning, 2 Kings chapter 4, starting with verse 38. And Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets, and let me just share something here. When it talks about sons of the prophets, it is not talking about biological sons. It's talking about theological sons. It's actually talking about those who have been coming in order to receive the truth from one of the prophets, in order to hear what God would have them do. And so when they talk about the sons of the prophets gathering, these were those that were coming to hear the voice of Elijah. Elisha, sorry. Hear the voice of Elisha to give them direction and how they should live their life and what they might be doing for the Lord, which is, of course, what we do when we dig into the Word of God. Okay. And Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said to his servant, Put on the large pot. You notice it doesn't say a large pot, it says the large pot. These were huge pots. They actually came back, they brought this idea back from their captivity in Egypt. And these pots were huge, and they sat on their own legs over the fire. That's how big they were. So he wasn't just asking to put a pot on the fire to feed a couple of people. He was asking to put a pot on the fire to feed over 100 people. We'll find out. And um, he said, put, a, um, put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it a lapful. What it's really talking about is they wore an apron kind of thing when they were gathering. And so when they went out and gathered it, they would hold it in their apron. So it doesn't literally mean on their lap. There's an apron full um, of wild gourds. And they came and they sliced them into the pot of stew. Both they, but they sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. So these guys go out, and obviously they weren't wilderness men. They went out in the field, and they saw this bush, and they saw these big gourds on them, and they thought, well, that'd probably be good. And they just gathered them and brought them, sliced them up, put them in the pot, and they didn't know what they were. And I couldn't think of how many things are we willing to put into the pot not knowing what they are. You know, the mind is amazing. It's a gift from God. And it allows us to retain information. And the greatest information that we can retain is that of the Lord and the ways of God. But we have to be careful of what we put into our pot, our brain. Because there are things that are out there that are poisonous. There are things that are out there that are not good for us. And that's the reason, as believers, we have to be discerners of the Word of God. 
Some of you probably know, some of you might not know, why we took the name Berean, Berean Calvary Chapel. It's taken from Acts 17.11, and it goes like this. And the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message, the teachings, with all eagerness, but daily examined the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. That's a Berean. And so as Bereans, we don't just accept everything flying in. I mean, you can go on YouTube, and there are so many beautiful Christian helps and, and studies that you can look at, but be careful. Because a lot of times you'll be into these studies, and they're good, then all of a sudden some crazy thing comes out. And we don't want to, want to allow poison into our pot. And so we have to make sure that we have a good strainer and filter that strains out anything that's aberrant, anything that is false doctrine, and only receives the truth of God's word. Now, verse 40, Then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened, as they were eating the stew, that they cried out and they said, Man of God, they're talking to Elisha. He was their mentor. He was the one who was teaching them. There is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. So he said, then bring some flour. And he put it into the pot and said, serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. What a beautiful portion of scripture. So anyway, we know Elijah had been in Gilgal for a short time with Elijah, just before Elijah went out and was translated up to heaven. And so it hadn't been that long uh, prior to this that Elijah was actually in Gilgal. And there had been a famine in this land, and um, therefore, Elisha was expecting something supernatural. You know how we know that? He told his servants to put on this huge pot of water to make stew, and he had nothing to put in it. There was a famine in the land. So he was expecting a miracle, and of course, the miracle did happen in a little bit different way than maybe they anticipated, but a miracle happened. And the same thing is true for you and I. We can expect God to work miracles in our life when we're out there willing to serve and to feed others. God will provide because he loves us and he desires to use us in ministry to people. And um, now, uh, one of Elijah's servants, it tells us, went out to gather some wild food. And uh, obviously, he was not a woodsman. He didn't know for sure what he was gathering and the, these wild gourds that he gathered were actually about the size of a large orange, and they were called bitter apples. That was what they were called, because both the seed and the pulp of it was very bitter. It was also considered one of the most toxic vegetable poisons that you could consume. So these guys go out there. They don't know what they're getting. They're just gathering all this stuff together. They slice it up, and they put it in the pot. And, uh, but when the sons of the prophets began to eat, they said, there is death in the pot. And uh, do we see death in the pot of false teaching, brothers and sisters? Do we? Do we see death in it? I mean, you have to understand, if you have two parallel lines, you remember this from geometry, and there's a formula which we won't get into, but you have two parallel lines running together, Okay? And there could just be a fraction of an inch difference you know, in the angle of one. 
And so for a long time, they seem to be parallel. Then all of a sudden, it starts going off, the one that isn't exactly in the same angle. And the point that I'm trying to bring out is there are times that we might be involved in a ministry, be involved in teaching, be involved in reading a book, and boy, it's, it seems parallel right on with the Word of God. But we have to be careful. And we have to be willing to admit, hey, you know what? This is going off in the wrong direction. And sometimes it's hard for us because we invested so much of our time, our heart, and ourselves into something that when we see it going off, we think, well, I'll just go along with it anyway. No, we need to cry out, there's poison in the pot. And we need to move away from it and follow only the word of God. And we'll be talking about that more a little bit later. Now, um, Elisha had taken the meal, it tells us here. It's a type of flour. And he took it for two reasons. The one reason is, is that when he put in the flour, it would help take away the bitterness of the taste. The other was supernatural. When he put it in, it took away the poison. It took away the poisonous effect completely. And to me, I couldn't help thinking that the word of God removes the bitterness of life while also giving us the victory over the poison of life. We can't look to this life as being our only focus. You know, getting off track a little bit, but yet I think it's a valid example in what we're talking about here. We were watching um, a YouTube thing on the Asbury Revival. Some of you might have been reading about that. And what we watched of it, I'm not saying it didn't go off in some crazy direction. I don't know. But what we watched of it, kids were getting saved, they were praising God, and, you know, giving him the glory and this and that. And then they were asking this well-known preacher, whose name I will not give. It's not up to me to speak disparagingly. I don't know what's... But anyway, they asked this well-known speaker what he thought of it. And he said, well, you know, we've seen these kind of movements happen in the country before, but it really doesn't change our political stand. It doesn't uh, change the moral direction of our nation and, and all this kind of thing. And I thought to myself, in fact, I said to Vi, we're watching it together, but it's changing the life of those kids. Everything we do, should it be to change the world or to change the lives of one person at a time, one individual at a time? Every one of us have an opportunity to be around individuals or people that none of the rest of us do. And do we talk about everything but Jesus? We have to make sure that we don't do that. We keep our focus on the Lord. Now, I think of Elisha and um, the one who we're talking about here. And Elisha, if you recall, he did not seek the prophetic ministry. Do you remember that? He didn't go running around after Elijah saying, I want to be a prophet, I want to be a prophet. You remember what Elisha was doing when Elijah came to him? What was he doing? Brains. He was plowing his field. He had no intention of going into ministry. He's out there just plowing his field at a big farm. And Elijah came up to him and said to Eli I mean Elijah came up to him and said to Elijah, "Hey, drop everything and follow me." And Elisha dropped everything and followed him. 
He was called into the ministry. It wasn't something he was seeking after. And I think that's important, and I'll explain um, in in a moment. I'm not only talking about pastors, but if you turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it's on page uh, 738. (laughs) Depending on the translation and the Bible you're using, it might be 649, just joking. Just turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And go to verse 26. And this portion of Scripture is very humbling to Pastor Frank Jr. and I because it's a true portion of Scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you have found it, starting with verse 26, starting with verse 26, For you see, your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things of the mighty. And the base things of the world uh, and the things which are uh, despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not. Why? To bring uh, to nothing the things that are. You follow what he's saying there? God chooses as his ministers. God chooses as his men and women of service, those who might be the most despised, not necessarily the, oh, oh, no wonder God would choose them. No, God chooses whom he will. And it makes no difference what we look like. It makes no difference um, you know, how handsome or not handsome, how intelligent or not intelligent. The fact is, it's a calling from God. And that's the thing that we have to remember because so often we're looking for the wrong thing. You know, Pastor Frank and I, we stand up here and we simply share the word of God. No thrills. You know, I don't come out here with flowing robes, you know, and collar. You know. Can you imagine my body in a robe? You know, ding! Oh, it would look awful. It look like a giant tent up here. But we don't come out with that. And I, and I don't come out and say, now open your Bibles along with me to the epistle of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And follow along. I, you know, Pastor Frank and I, we're just, we're just us. Because that's what the Bible says about those who are called. They're just simple people. And you need simple people to teach simple things. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, you need simple people because we're all simple people. You know, how many times if you... I can remember when I was in, in college and you go to a lecture and you hear this brilliant man giving a lecture, and you're sitting there like this. I have no idea what you're talking about. You're so far over my head. And it, it does you no good. It's usually the, the, the instructors that are able to bring things down to your level. In fact, when I was teaching high school, they, they told us that we should be teaching on a sixth grade level, as far as vocabulary and so forth was concerned, that the kids might understand. And it was, it was a very interesting point. Okay. Now, um, let's finish that portion. Of, in, that no flesh may glory in his Look what verses 30 and 31 say. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Who became for us. He became for us. It's not us. He became for us. Wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Never brag in your own righteousness and sanctification. It's from God. 
It's a gift from God. He's become that in us. In verse 31, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for any way he uses us. We need to glory in the Lord. Now moving on to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 42. 2 Kings 4, 42. Just moving down to verse 42 from where we were. Then a man came from uh, Baal, uh, Shelishah, and he brought the man of God bread of first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, of barley bread, and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And he said, give it to the people that they may eat. Now understand, there, there were hundreds just of the prophets, and there were hundreds of people, and he's bringing enough food to maybe feed a family. But we'll talk about that in a moment. It was still beautiful. Verse 43. But his servants said, what shall, I set, uh, what shall I set this before 100 men? In other words, the servants said, what? This isn't enough. What shall I set this before 100 men? And he said again, give it to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left over. Sounds like something we read in the New Testament, which we'll look at in a moment. So he set it before them, and they ate, and they had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. Now we have to remember that there was a famine in the land. People were hungry. So this man that came from Baal Shalashish, he was coming in faith and with the right heart in order to bring something to help with the famine, to feed people. I'm going to read a quote from Helen Keller. And she said, I'm only one, but I still am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. So I'm going to do something. Isn't that a beautiful quote? And so that's what we have to understand. This man who brought the barley, that's what I think of. He had that kind of attitude. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And so we have to realize we can't do everything, but we can do something. Are we willing to put ourselves out there to do something? You might not be a worldwide evangelist, but you are an evangelist because every single one of us are called to share our faith at work, wherever you might be. And the thing is, just giving you some words of wisdom here. You have to wait for the opportunity. I mean, if you walk into a situation, you walk in, let's say you get hired, brand new job, and the first day at lunch, you walk into the lunchroom and you say, Hallelujah, brothers and sisters, I'm here to share Jesus with you. <clears throat> right away, they label you as a complete kook, which probably you would be, but they would label you as a complete kook, and that would be it. But you walk into that room, loving Jesus in your heart. You don't participate in profane language. You don't participate in dirty jokes. You don't go along with their worldly lifestyle. But you're friendly, you're sweet, you're nice. And when you're ready to eat, say a little prayer, even if someone makes fun of you. I guarantee you that not too long down the road, someone's going to be talking to you. Now, if you go in the break room and you act just like everyone else, you know, I'm not saying you go in and you're quiet. You carry on conversation and, you know, and so forth. And I've shared this with you before, but it's appropriate here again. 
And it's probably, I don't think I've shared it more than maybe 25 times anyway. Usually I get 100 out of each one. But um, I, back when I was, uh, not that long ago, I was doing my substitute teaching at ESM High School. And um, whenever, every once in a while, usually once a week, I'd be in um, the faculty room having my lunch. And there was this one teacher who came in there. And I never went in and told anyone I was a pastor. Understand? But she knew there's something different about me. I didn't swear. I prayed before I ate. Just the kind of things I'm talking about. And she was so mean to me and so mocking of Christianity. It was really, but being me, thank God, it's like, eh, you know, just keep doing my thing. And I'd been subbing there for probably three, four years. I don't know how long. And one day, it, it so happened, and it wasn't, because uh, teachers also get a free period of break. They go and work on lessons. And I happened to be in there with her. It was just the two of us. And she just poof, opened up to me. And I had a chance to minister to her. It took several years. So that's what I'm trying to say to you. We're supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to bring the truth wherever we go. But it doesn't mean you go in like gangbusters. But brothers and sisters, you start. From the moment you meet other people, you start. There has to be, there should be something about you that points out that you're different. And I think that's what the Lord is showing us that we need to do. Because um, this guy, what he brought, and it was, it's all he had. And he knew it wasn't enough, but he brought it anyway. And um, I love what it tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.16. It says, To the one we are the aroma of death, leading to death, and to the other, the aroma, aroma of life, leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? In other words, what this point is bringing out is our very countenance, just the way we are, our, our, our spiritual uh, you know, uh, posture that we take. We're around some people, and they hate us because we're the aroma of death. Because they recognize. I, I believe in my own heart, everyone recognizes there's a heaven and hell. They'll say they're agnostic. They'll say that they're atheistic. They'll say they're, you know, whatever the term is that they want to use. But I believe in my heart, everyone knows there's a heaven and hell. Everyone knows this life isn't to end because everyone knows this life will end. And who we are is much more than a body. We know that. And so I, I feel that there are so many people out there that are just looking for the truth and see what this tells us. We're the aroma of death to some, but we're the aroma of life to others. In other words, there are other people who are going to be around, and they're going to be thinking, that person has something. There's something there I want to have a hold of. There's life there. I need to have it. And the opportunity is going to open for you to be an evangelist to them. But also keep this in mind. Many of those that you are the aroma of death to, their sense of smell might change and oftentimes does change in time. I remember, this is going to seem crazy for you guys, I can remember Vi and I, before we were saved, and we had people that were telling us about Jesus, and Vi and I would be walking around the house going, Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! You know, completely mocking. But guess what? Even in our mocking, there was something getting through. And then, finally, we got saved. Finally, we got saved. You repent of all that mocking. You repent of all that 
iria ser. Elijah, through the Lord, he saw faith, the faith of this man who brought this inadequate amount of food. And he said, guess what? We're going to use it, and it's going to be more than enough. And you can either turn there or listen. I'm going to read this account to you from Matthew chapter 14 and verses 17 through 21. And it says, and they said to him, we, talking to Jesus, uh, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down. Now understand, we're going to find out this is a large multitude in a moment. To sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke and gave the loaves uh, to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 basketful of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So there were probably 15,000 people. You could say, well... That would have to be a miracle. Yes. And that's what it was. A miracle. And God still performs miracles. Miracles aren't dead. But the fact is, our ministry isn't focused on, on miracles. Miracles follow the ministry. They don't go before it. And how many times have we seen miracles? You know, Pastor Frank Jr. was talking about angels earlier. And he said, I don't think I've ever seen an angel. I believe with all my heart that I saw two ministering angels. When I first got saved, and I was just all on fire for the Lord, and I attended a Presbyterian church that I grew up in, and the pastor was very, very, I think, surprised, but also proud that I had gone through you know, college and graduate school and so forth. And so when he was away, he asked me to preach for him. Well, I got saved. You know, probably about a month before he asked me to preach, I got saved. So I'm standing there. Now, we had a, two services. The small service was about 600, okay? It was a pretty big church. It was the Elmira College Church. And so first service, full, and I get up there, and guess what the title of my teaching was? Being ignorant, not knowing anything. I'm thinking everybody in the church feels the same way I do. Gee, why didn't the pastor tell me about being born again? You know? So the title of my, my message was, You Must Be Born Again. <laughs> so I get up there, and I'm preaching, you, know, I, you must be born again. I was all filled with the Lord and, and excited. And it was a large church. And so what they did is they had two doors in the back. People who were in a hurry or didn't feel like greeting the pastor would go out that door. And people who wanted to greet the pastor went out this door. Well, after I got through preaching, I walked to the back. Everybody went out this door, except for a few. And I remember this one woman, I almost said her name, and I won't. She's probably dead by now, but anyway, I won't say her name anyway. She comes up to me. She was shorter than me, which means she was short. And she put her finger in my face, and she said, I'll tell you what, Frank Thomas, before the large service, that's what they call the second service, you better change that message. And she walked away, and I'm thinking, you got to remember, I don't even save for about a month. And I'm thinking, what? Should I change it? Should I, what, did I make a mistake? Did, did I? I'm going to cry. And these two guys, young, young men, 
Never saw him during, you know, when you're preaching, you see everything. Never saw him during the service. And they were dressed up like older suits and stuff like that, but they were young men. And they walked up to me, and they put their hands on my shoulder, and they said, the only thing you want to change for the next service is preach it louder. So I preached it louder. I was asked to leave. <laughs> Not right away, but taken right off the board and so forth. But here's the point. What do ministering angels do? They encourage you in ministry. They encourage you in serving the Lord. That's the only time I ever experienced anything like that. You know, I'm not a all sensational and this and that kind of person. But that was definitely an experience because I never saw them again, never saw them before, I never saw them while I was preaching. So I think it was the Lord. Anyway, um, you know, when you read about this account in Matthew where he fed the 5,000, there's so many people say, but that's impossible. Well, it is impossible, but God. All things are possible with God, right? In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that's the trick. Now, you have prosperity teachers who have gotten a hold of that and say, in Jesus' name, I want a brand new Lincoln. Guess what? You're not going to get a brand new Lincoln. You know why? You're not asking in Jesus' name. You're asking in your own name. Anything that we ask in Jesus' name. What are we asking in Jesus' name? Lord, use me to minister to others. Use me to encourage others. Use me to lead this, this person to the Lord. Lord, use me to be the kind of person you want me to be. Wealth and possessions has nothing at all to do with the glory of God and with the gifts of God and the blessings of God. It has nothing to do with it. My father is the first one who talked to me about Jesus. And he was a coal miner and then when he couldn't work in the mines anymore because he had silicosis, a black lung, he was a church janitor. And he loved Jesus. And he talked to me about Jesus. He lived a life of loving Jesus. So don't think being a Christian, this prosperity teaching is of Satan. I want you to understand what I'm saying. It's of Satan, okay? This prosperity teaching. If God wants to prosper you, he can. He can do whatever he wants. But that's not the purpose of ministry. You know, that's why in Amos, which I read before, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. And how true this is today. Because how many people go to church Sunday after Sunday and they never hear the word of the Lord. This is the reason we go through the Bible. Because you guys aren't coming to church here to hear the wisdom of Pastor Frank Jr. or the wisdom of Pastor Frank. You're coming to church to hear the word of God expounded on. And that's the way it'll always be here. And so we have to understand that is the purpose of the church. Lord, Ha, <laughs> ha,
Um, now, you know, I'm not saying this is a put-down, but really think about this. I'm not asking you to raise hands. Well, you can if you... No, I'm just joking. I'm not asking you to raise hands. How many of you even knew Amos was in the Bible? Some of you might not have even known, known it was in the Bible. And if you knew it was in the Bible, how many of you have ever read Amos? How many of you have ever read through the entire Bible? We have the greatest book ever written because it is not only print and page, it is of the Holy Spirit. And it's able to minister to us and to encourage us. If you don't have some kind of systematic study through the Bible, you need to get one. All you have to do, we got computers, you got your iPhones, you got whatever, go online and say, yearly reading through the Bible. You can get all kinds of readings you want. But get into a reading program. Study the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Meditate on it. One, you might have one night that you read one paragraph. If you're really in the Spirit and open to the Lord, you read one paragraph. That's it. You're blown away. Man, you're, you're in communion with God. You want to know what that means to you. You might have other times you read through a whole book. You know, like the other day, I read through First and Second Corinthians all in one, one shot. But, you know, the overall of it, the Lord spoke to me. And so we have to have that willingness and that desire. This is it. God has given us life, and he's given it to us more abundantly, and he's given us his word. Study to show yourself approved. Workmen correctly handling the word of truth, needing not to be ashamed, brothers and sisters. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we find in it. And I pray that you would take the teaching of today and use it to encourage us in our walk with you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.